We are so thrilled today to be here with Rabbi Rick Jacobs, who is truly a gadol, just um, a great mensch and scholar for the Am Yisrael, for the Jewish people, who is bringing breadth and depth to global Jewry. Um, and um, in terms of both Jewish continuity and in terms of our mandate to foster justice in the world. Um, and I view him as just a model rabbi to learn from. And um, it's great to see so many of you here and to be here with our great partners, Temple Solel, who have been very, very close partners. I see uh, Rabbi Linder and Rabbi Steele and our friend Peter Pishko and others from that community. So thank you for your partnership always. And, um, and I see many other rabbis here who are joining. I see my friend Rabbi Asher Lepatin, Rabbi Avi Urlo, um, others who are joining. I'm sorry if I missed somebody who's here as well. And uh, we're so excited to learn from you. And um, our topic, Just Judaism, understanding the centrality of social justice. We're gonna have the chance to hear from Rabbi Rick Jacobs for 30, 40 minutes uh, as he wishes. And then a chance for some back and forth, some Q and A and to end at the hour, two o'clock Pacific, five o'clock Eastern. Um, and I'm gonna pass it over to my colleague and friend, Rabbi John Linder, to do the formal intro today. Thank Thanks, you, Rabbi. Rabbi, I really appreciate it. And I do have to say, uh, Rabbi Lopatin, it's been a long time since I've seen you in Chicago. It's uh, really wonderful, wonderful to be on with you. Um, so, so here is the bio that I was uh, given um, to introduce Rabbi Jacobs. Rabbi Rick Jacobs is president of the uh, Union for Reform Judaism, the most powerful force in North American Jewish life. The URJ leads the largest and most diverse Jewish movement in North America, reaching more than 1.5 million people through nearly 850 congregations, 15 overnight camps, the Reform Teen Movement, NIFTY, and the Religious Action Center in Washington, D.C. Um, so I am going to, Rabbi Jacobs, uh, now um, take the privilege as the co-host um, to add this anecdote, um, because I can't help it. As I was a first-year student in Jerusalem, you were the senior rabbi of Westchester Reform, and you were part of our orientation, first-year rabbinic schools in Jerusalem, and in the Moedome, uh, beautiful, beautiful day. Um, you shared a little bit of your story that before becoming a rabbi, um, you were a professional uh, dancer. And, and here's what I remember about that, that your Devar Torah incorporated, it was an embodied uh, Devar Torah actually using movement. And, and I, in that moment, Rabbi Jacobs, knew that you could be a powerful rabbi and leader um, by grace, by the grace of your movement and by your backbone, your backbone that you are for this movement and I, think it is um, surely the combination of that grace and backbone, uh, perfect in talking about the centrality of social justice. Um, and, uh, and you can both be a strong leader and a mensch of menches. And that is you, Rabbi Jacobs. So it's to you, my friend. Amen, amen. Thank you so much. Uh, my mom would say, quit while you're ahead. I should just uh, say thank you. And we go off to our our days uh, to both uh, my rabbis and friends, uh, Rav Shmuley and, and Rav John, thank you for that gracious and warm introduction. And frankly, Shmuley, when you reached out and said, would you come, basically you could have asked um, anything. I would have said, yes, you are one of my heroes and teachers and, uh, and, and Rabbi Linder as well. I'm looking on the screen, you know, Rabbi Asher Lopatin, God bless you. And Kola um, Kavod, what happened yesterday, uh, Am Yisrael standing together. And I look around, there are other people who I know that I've worked closely with and really love this opportunity uh, to learn together. So uh, by this point in the universe, you know what to do with the chat. So I would actually encourage you if there are things that are on fire. By the way, uh, Rabbi Shimon Brand, wow, wow, wow. Um, one of my just favorite teachers from uh, the Hartman Institute, um, who just is the embodiment as well. So, Rav Shimon, what a what a treat to have you, um, and all of you. So, if you if you have something you want to say, you know, put it in the chat. We'll have a chance to, you know, have conversation discussion. But you know, my style usually is that um, things will grow out of the, um, you know, the course of the text and the learning, 
And if you put something in the chat, it may just be that it triggers and I can pull it right in as we're, as we're moving. So I'm gonna share my screen and take us on a little journey together. Um, here we go, ready, aim, fire. So I, I kind of like just Jewish by itself is a bit of a play because you obviously know all the different demographers keep saying, you know, which category are you? Are you uh, Orthodox? Are you conservative reform? No, I'm just Jewish. But I actually love it because it has content. It's not just, I'm just Jewish, but justice um, is core to how I think of my, my Judaism. So I'm gonna start with a story uh, that's actually a true story. I was invited to debate one of the candidates for chief rabbi of Israel in the Knesset. And um, in the course of that conversation with, uh, actually this person did not win, it would have been, a, I think, wonderful if the person had won. Um, the, the rabbi said, Rabbi Jacobs, you made up tikkun olam, in, in, in part of the talk. And I thought to myself, come on. <laughs> And then I thought to myself, wait a minute, maybe you should just call my mom, tell my mom that I made up and the reform movement made up tikkun olam because she would really be impressed. She probably would believe it. But to be truthful, I can't imagine how in the world anyone could say that tikkun olam or tzedek or social justice is not fundamental to what it means to be a person of Jewish commitment. So I wanna take you through, not just an answer to a question in the Knesset, but just a, a thing that's become a bit of a debater's point today, which is, is social justice really um, in the aorta of Jewish life? Or is it this thing that, you know, uh, progressive Jews have kind of added on and made it into a religion in and of itself? So first off, I, I wanted to say that I put these four quadrants here because they represent in my mind and probably yours as well, four core ways one could um, live Jewish commitment. So can we just belabor the obvious? You can put it into the chat. Um, you could name all of them. On the, on the upper left, you have uh, tefillah, prayer. The bottom left, you have limud Torah, Jewish learning, of course. Bottom right, acting with chesed to one another. And in the top quadrant, the right quadrant, um, Rabbi Maurice Eisendrath, the first president of the URJ, then the UHC, marching with Dr. King, Dr. Heschel, Ralph Albernathy, amazing group. Social justice is as fundamental. But in today's world, if someone says, I want to start, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, a, a deeply involved person when it comes to Judaism, where should I start? Anyone would say, well, start with Jewish learning or maybe start with a holiday, start with Shabbat, start doing something, you know, on a regular basis, or maybe start with more acts of kindness. When you say, well, maybe start with social justice, you say, well, that's not really where you want to start. So again, the point isn't where you want to start. The point is, does everything interconnect? And I think everything does interconnect. And you know, if you start with one, the hope is you can add others and you can have something that's woven together in a beautiful, seamless way. Um, it's not an accident that this, the parsha, the parsha Dvarim, the first of uh, our parshas in, in Deuteronomy, um, has a haftarah for this coming weekend, which is very, very weighty because we have Tisha B'Av. But when people say, you know, you reformed Jews, you made up, or maybe Rav Shmuley, maybe you made up social justice. I mean, we can't take that credit. I mean, if anybody's uh, put a lot of social justice wisdom and, and even in book form, you've done that magnificently. This part, this Haftarah, like if someone thinks like that, uh, you know, Rabbi Linder or um, Rabbi Lewis Camus wrote this, this is, this is Isaiah. And what I love about it is it sets into context um, social justice. So for example, it starts off with the idea of holidays and um, new moon observances. Uh, God says, they fill me with loathing. They're a burden, I can't take it. Why? Because when you lift up your hands in prayer, I'm gonna turn my eyes awake. Though you pray endlessly, I'm not listening because your hands are stained with blood, with injustice. 
And God's, the, what's the teaching? Wash yourselves clean. Put your evil doings away from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Devote yourselves to justice. Aid the wrong. Uphold the rights of the orphan. Defend the cause of the widow. This is what it means. So what's the, what's the text saying? It's saying not, not that prayer is meaningless, but if it doesn't have the impetus to live and act more justly, then it's empty. And if you bring, you know, um, you know, bloody hands and impure, um, you know, society and deeds into prayer, it's not going to work. So I think Isaiah is screaming, make your Judaism integrated and don't leave out this core. And particularly reading this before Tisha B'Av, wow, what a powerful reminder that when we don't have a just society, what is it that happens? Uh, everything unravels. And to be a devout uh, student of Torah, a uh, devout a practitioner of Jewish prayer and Jewish observance of holidays without something as fundamental as commitment to justice, it's, um, it, it's, it's, not, it's not efficacious. It's not what we're about. So let me, let me just take you through, and, and by the way, if we think it's just Isaiah, no, 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 it's, uh, it's all over. It's all over the Torah, it's all over Tanakh, and it's particularly all over the prophets. You know, this very famous uh, teaching from Amos, in some ways, a, a theme similar to Isaiah. Um, I, I, I hate your festivals, your, your, your prayer offerings, your burnt offerings. Um, I, I'm not going to pay attention. Spare me all of it. Just let justice well up like waters, righteousness like an unfailing stream. This is a major pillar of Judaism then, now, and going forward. This is not made up. This is not added on. This is in the heart. Uh, some of you may know Rabbi David Saperstein, truly, you know, one of the one of the real gedolim uh, of our world. Spoke unbelievably powerfully yesterday at the uh, rally. In, in Washington. And David has this beautiful um, description of social justice and it's worth just hearing it. The thread of social justice is so authentically and intricately woven into the many colored fabric we call Judaism. that If you seek to pull that thread out, the whole fabric unravels. That the Judaism that results is distorted. It's neutered, it's rendered aimless. Um, Rabbi Saperstein spoke the truth and what about Rabbi Heschel? We know all of us, many Heschel quotes. This one to me is in the very you know, core of what Abraham Joshua Heschel did in his life. Prayer is meaningless unless it is subversive, unless it seeks to overthrow and ruin the pyramids of callousness, hatred, opportunism, falsehoods. For Heschel, you could not separate your prayer life, your study life from the wider demands of society. And I'll just say you know, the, the photograph there is the Shabbat after George Floyd was murdered. Um, after, after tefillah in the morning, um, literally we took to the streets with social distance in the march, but it felt critical that if we were gonna pray in the morning uh, and there was a gathering of such strength, um, if you're New Yorkers, you can tell that Sixth Avenue, uh, it was critical for me to pray, to gain the strength, the balance, the, uh, the rootedness, but then to act. And yes, on Shabbat, on Shabbat, it felt particularly important, that Shabbat. Um, I also think this is theological. You know, sometimes we think of, you know, it's kind of political Judaism. You know, for people who, who don't like to be really seriously Jewish, you know, just take a little Democratic Party, a little Republican Party platform, put it together and you can make a nice thing. No, 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 no. This, this is fundamental to who we understand God to be. Uh, and I always just remind myself that we worship a God who is impatient with injustice. It's not just we are impatient or we're agitated, but, but God is, um, is deeply, deeply concerned. And of course, one of the great moments is the is the argument with um, with uh, Avraham and uh, and God over the fate of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, you have this moment where you know Abraham, in a sense, is reflecting to God. You know, Well, the judge of all the earth, you're not going to do justly. Kind of reminding God through um, the the teacher Abraham, and so powerfully. Um, 
that dynamic to, to be both called to justice and to be inspired by the Holy One. And the, the, the dominant narrative, of course, for all of us is the Exodus narrative, where God literally hears the cry, hears the pain of the Israelites, and leads God to, um, to, to help Moshe to lead us out. So God, in a sense, feels the pain, the suffering, the injustice, and is motivated to, to move us to, uh, to be those agents of justice in the world. Um, you know, I, I'm ambivalent to put some pew up in front of us because I think we're so obsessed with pew. You know, if we spent half the time we spent arguing over the pew study and just spent it studying Torah, we'd be so much better off. But I do have to want to put this one slide up because it's the slide that says, what did Jews most identify as core to being Jewish? And of course, look at the top of the thing, remembering the show of the Holocaust, of course, leading ethical, moral life. What's number three? Working for justice and equality. That is, is it's still way, way up there. Intellectual curious. You have to get down to the bottom. And I'm not proud or happy about this list, that observing Jewish law and eating you know, Jewish food, that those are at the bottom, below having a good sense of humor. It kind of makes us all want to cry. But let's pay attention to where a lot of our Jewish community starts, what's, what's core and fundamental. And by the way, I think remembering the Holocaust is also a justice imperative. I remember uh, I had the privilege of speaking after Elie Wiesel at the Darfur rally um, in the 2000s. And his message was very powerful. He said, uh, you know, never again doesn't mean never again only for the Jewish people. It means never again for any of God's children. And so I think the Holocaust can be also one of those motivators and uh, reminders that uh, justice is the ultimate imperative that we create uh, where there will be no genocide. And as of yesterday, the beautiful rally, and there will be no anti-Semitism, and there'll be no, and no, and no. So again, I think this is a reminder of where people are. So if people already have the justice imperative, the equality imperative, how do we build a meaningful Jewish life uh, around that, start with that, build it, support it with learning, support it with uh, spiritual practice, prayer, support it with acts of kindness, build a whole infrastructure for Jewish life, not justice by itself, but justice interconnected. And if that's where a person and most people are to start, let's start there. It's an it's a absolute fundamental of our Jewish tradition, start where people are, not where you want. Um, did people, did we lose me on video or is that just someone, is this Pam just direct messaging? Um, no, I think we all did. Oh, so that I must've just, uh, yeah, there we go. Thank you, Pam. Um, all right, so repeat everything I just said for the last few minutes. Um, so here we go. Hopefully we, you didn't. We did, we did hear you, Rabbi. Okay, good. Well, there's nothing to look at. And hopefully, even with the, the description, you got some of the essence. So thank you. I should be careful where I'm clicking. So here is a moment where I, I know we're always worried about young people. You know, are they going to care as much as we do? Are they going to do as much? This was one of the most powerful moments for me. Um, and I think you can recognize that uh, Natan Sharansky, this is Natan Sharansky's last Jewish agency meeting. And for the first time, Natan brought a resolution about the asylum seekers. And um, it was unusual for the Jewish agency to even consider making a statement about the injustice for asylum seekers in Israel. Um, so he, was, he had a discussion and the usual suspects spoke. I said a few words, others did. And he was about to take a vote on whether we would raise the Jewish agency's voice. And then um, uh, one of our young 20-somethings who had been invited, she's a reformed Jew uh, from actually Los Altos Hills, California. She was raising her hand, but Natan couldn't see her because she was sitting behind Natan. And so Natan loves young people. So I pointed to her. And so Natan said, would you like to say something? She said, I really would. So uh, Natan got up, gave her, her his seat. She sat down and she gave a, a, a lesson about social justice to this group of hundred Jewish leaders from across the denominational spectrum. And she said, how is it possible that given our Torah's imperative uh, and our history, 
that we would not raise our voice for the asylum seekers who have sought refuge in this country. It is a, it is a bouchard, it is a absolute embarrassment. And then she quoted the teaching from Exodus, you should know the nefesh hager, you should know the heart, you should know what it's like. And she finishes, and honestly the vote, I am sure before she spoke would have been uh, opposed after she spoke, uh, the Jewish agency, I think for the first time in my recollection, raised its voice, a moderate, a, a refined, a clear voice. And um, social justice also, sometimes in some places, in some settings, is thought to be, it's too controversial. People will get upset. But you know what? Um, I don't think Isaiah Amos and Jeremiah were upset uh, if people were a little bent out of shape. If, if there's a righteous cause, we're, we're better off being a little bent out of shape than having our world um, you know, built on a false foundation. So this is where she was um, out protesting um, in South Tel Aviv and uh, still an issue. And again, I know probably on the Zoom call today, we probably fall on different parts of different political issues. I'm just arguing that you can't study a text like that. You can't come to a Jewish principle and not see it reflected in the world around us. This is a group, uh, we do a, a thing um, in Washington, D.C. when we're not in COVID called Litaken. We take teens from all over North America and we come to Washington, D.C. and help them gain learning to underpin their social justice advocacy. Here they are um, advocating on behalf of uh, dreamers. So um, again, I think that this is a powerful way to express fundamentals of Jewish uh, tradition and Jewish commitment. Um, all of us, I think, have come to know and love the Abraham Heschel quote about uh, praying, you know, with our feet, which again is a slightly different uh, text uh, as uh, Susanna remembers her dad. But actually, I wouldn't doubt that uh, Rabbi Heschel knew that Frederick Douglass actually, um, you know, almost, almost uh, a century earlier had this. He said, I prayed for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. So I love that maybe these two giants of social justice might have uh, actually, um, you know, exchanged, not actually, uh, Douglas couldn't have known and learned from Dr. Heschel, but it certainly is the case. He could have uh, uh, drawn his inspiration from Douglas and from all of us. Sometimes you got to actually get out and, and take your stand like, like we did yesterday. You can't just talk. You can't just write. Sometimes you actually have to create um, facts on the ground. Uh, Rav Shmuley, I think you exemplify that in the most powerful way every day. Um, you know, we march for a lot of things. And I also want to say that when we march for justice, we oftentimes stand with people who don't agree exactly with us. That happened yesterday, too, and I'm proud that it did. If we're part of big justice coalitions, uh, we're going to stand with people who may not uh, come out exactly where we do on critical issues. That's okay. Um, but we have to actually still get out. And Reverend Barber has been a powerful a leader for justice. And, you know, and again, there may be issues that Reverend Barber speaks about that the entire Jewish community doesn't line up around, but where can we line up? Like yesterday, we lined up around anti-Semitism. We have lots of differences, but on that, we stand united. Uh, I would just say this uh, on the bottom left, you may recognize that's our long struggle to create an egalitarian space at the Western Wall. Um, you know, Black Lives Matter is a Jewish value. I know that's agitational for some people. It's, co it's core to be able to, um, to stand up for a society that fights racism in all of its forms. So sometimes you gotta actually show up. I, I love, I love the, um, the beautiful reminder that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had on her Supreme Court chambers wall. She had reminders because for her, Sedek Tirdof was not a, um, you know, a, a, a clever quotation from Torah. It was something that animated her life every day. And so she has this beautiful um, teaching that she, um, she gave actually a talk at the US Holocaust Memorial in 2004. And she said, my heritage as a Jew and my occupation as a judge fit together symmetrically. The demand for justice runs through the entirety of Jewish history and Jewish tradition. I take pride in and draw strength from my heritage. The signs in my chambers attest 
large silver mezuzah on my doorpost, a gift from the Shulamit School for Girls in Brooklyn, where she attended. On three walls, an artist's renditions of Hebrew letters, a command from Deuteronomy, justice, justice, you shall pursue. Those words are ever-present reminders of what judges must do that they may thrive. That's the extension of the quote. So I love that she, she really saw that as an animating daily principle of what she did. Again, she wasn't a Dayan in a, in a Jewish setting. She was a judge for you know, the most powerful and sometimes the most challenging country on the planet. Uh, on your own time, you can look at some of the beautiful nuances about how we understand that. But I would just share that um, a few weeks ago, I was able to be in uh, Jerusalem and uh, Rabbi Gilad Kariv, who leads the reform movement, is a brilliant attorney, has argued many cases in the Supreme Court. He had to conclude his time leading the reform movement because now he's a member of Knesset. So I gave him this um, beautiful uh, paper cut of Tzedek Tzedek Tirdof, and I said, please put it on your walls because you will be like our Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You will be someone who every day goes into the Knesset and fights for these uh, principles. And I think for all of us, you know, for some, it's almost cliche to say Tzedek Tzedek Tirdof, but it actually is the thing we run after. It doesn't get handed to us. It's not a, a permanent possession. It's not a permanent fixture of our uh, legal system or our countries or even our Jewish communities, but it is core to what it means to be people of faith. Uh, for us, I know many of us in Jewish life, um, there's an imperative, and I think it's most powerfully expressed in Nitzavim towards the end of Deuteronomy, right? Atem Nitzavim hayom kul chem. You stand today, all of you, not some of you, all of you, and who are the people in case we would forget? Your children, your wives, okay. It obviously was a group of men writing that uh, or reframing that text, but the stranger, the, 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 the wood chopper, the water drawer, everyone. But we think also about the injustice of our Jewish community, not necessarily including everyone, and particularly Jews of color, LGBTQ plus Jews, um, um, Jews who are challenged in different ways. Who are those people? And that's an imperative injustice. So sometimes we're out busy in you know, righting the wrongs of the unjust world, but some of these injustices are in our communities. They're in our synagogues, they're in our Jewish institutions. And how do we actually really live that quality of kulchem, every single one, no exceptions, no one left out, that's an imperative. For us in the reform movement, we have an amazing teacher. There are many teachers who are giving this beautiful Torah every day. Yolanda Savage Narva, who is, um, you know, professionally at the URJ, she directs our ready work, racial equity, diversity and inclusion. And thinking about, um, you know, what, what she's doing, whether it's training, whether it's making sure that we're uh, leading with our best example, who's on our board, who's, who's representing us in Jewish communal discourse and to really kind of hold ourselves accountable to be our best, most inclusive self. That's a justice imperative today. It's not, you know, uh, some people say, oh, that's just an inclusion thing. Uh, it's, a, it's a justice question. And we can't very well win and fight uh, broad societal injustices if we're not willing to hold the mirror up and do it in our communities, in our own hearts, in our own lives, in powerful ways. Uh, some of you may know, um, that the uh, Voting Rights Act was uh, drafted on the table on the left. Obviously, you see John Lewis at the Edmund Pettus Bridge, Zichonol Livrachav, blessed memory. And then you have that table, that iconic table at the Religious Action Center in Washington, D.C., where the Civil Rights Bill and the Voting Rights Bill were drafted. And um, in, in that photograph, you have Nick Cannon uh, doing a um, a recording with Rabbi Jonah Pesner and, and Yolanda Savage-Narva and with Evan Trailer and Rabbi Esther Letterman, really powerful, uh, uh, and, and Dietra Reiser as well. So for us, you know, justice is not just an internal Jewish thing. We also have a, an obligation and an opportunity to bring that justice. Uh, Texas today and tomorrow um, addressing the voting rights issues, uh, really fundamental to us. And for us in the reform movement, and I think that's true for, you know, uh, Orthodox, many in the Orthodox community, conservative and reconstructing Judaism, 
what is it that we do? How do we raise our voice in Washington, in our state capitals, in our local communities? And how do we get people active? And so for us, the For the People Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, these are, these are real things and needs, needs us to do this work. And I love that um, you know, we all can have a doorway in. And sometimes when we raise our voices together uh, across all the different lines of division, uh, when we are able to find that common ground, uh, sometimes the earth moves uh, in powerful ways. I love that uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs and uh, Isabel Wilkerson in some ways teach some similar Torah. And um, I love that in our diversity, I mean, look, look at Rabbi Sachs, who just, what a brilliant teacher and embodiment of Torah uh, in the dignity of difference. One belief more than any other is responsible for the slaughter of individuals on the altars of the great historical ideals is the belief that those who do not share my faith or my race or my ideology do not share my humanity. And at best, they are second-class citizens. At worst, they forfeit the sanctity of life itself. These are things that demonize other human beings. And uh, Isabel Wilkerson says, you know, tolerance is such a low bar. I mean, you know, you, you tolerate, um, you know, the slush in uh, the winter in the, in the crosswalk. You tolerate a rattle in your car engine. You tolerate mosquitoes in the summer. When it comes to our core work, uh, these are imperative. These are not uh, aiming to tolerate one another, but to love and to fight for one another's uh, basic dignity and well-being. Um, I want to just, uh, hold on, I think I just made one, one too many. Um, I also think our history is a call to, um, to justice. You know, in, in this uh, remarkable book, uh, Cast, if you haven't read it, she has so many teachings and the connection between Nazi Germany and um, the United States uh, you know, in terms of our racial injustices is just staggering. And she, again, I, I just saw, maybe you did too, they're removing the Robert E. Lee statue from Charlottesville, right? Finally, finally, finally. But she, she asked this question of a Jewish woman, says, you know, um, where, where are the memorials in Germany today to the Nazi past? She says, there aren't any, right? That the monuments are to the, the victims. And, um, and that is pretty powerful, thinking about what do we memorialize? What do we elevate? And how might they be also calls to injustice or better calls to justice? And I love in this photograph on the upper right, you have uh, the previous uh, foreign minister of Israel, Gabi Ashkenazi, with the foreign minister of the UAE, the United Arab Emirates. And um, US, you know, having a tour of the uh, Holocaust Memorial in Berlin. Uh, that's what you show people when you come to Germany. You don't take them on a tour of, uh, you know, uh, Nazi war uh, in instruments. And I think, you know, uh, our past can inform in the present and, and, the, and the text can do it and the history can do it as well. Uh, I'm almost done. I want to just pull a few more. I love this in terms of injustice and hate. Um, Brian Stevens says, be, get proximate. You change the narrative, stay hopeful and be uncomfortable. Look what Julian Edelman teaches, such a powerful thing, right? Here you have a Myers Leonard, a uh, player on the Miami Heat, who uh, said some pretty outrageous things about Jews, used the K word. And um, what did Julian Edelman do? He didn't call him out. He called him in. He he invited him in. in to uh, to relate express anti-Semitic um, commitments, but sometimes you actually have to heal and bring them close. And Julian Edelman. Uh, who was uh, you know, one of the great players on the Patriots, but what a great uh, reminder how, how to, uh, to do this work. Uh, I'm just gonna reflect on, you know, I think a lot of my work, and I'm guessing that other uh, teachers on the call here today uh, also have gotten proximate. Um, we just celebrated on the upper left, you, you may not recognize that's Rabbi Yehuda Krinsky, who uh, one of the leaders of Chabad today, 
Rabbi Krinsky taught me about getting proximate. He invited me to a sicha conversation, and they invited me to the Kinnis HaShluchim a couple of years ago. And when I got there, I, I figured it was like a bar mitzvah with 5,000 guests, and I figured I'd be sitting at one of the outlying tables, you know, probably right near the door. So I picked up my little um, card, says Rabbi, Rabbi Rick Jacobs, J4, J14. So I go to the J14, and, and every place has a name. And I'm a little bit surprised that I'm at Rabbi Krinsky's table. I'm even more surprised I'm sitting next to Rabbi Krinsky. Well, can I tell you that not 5,000 shluchim came up to Rabbi Krinsky, but a lot. I'm saying felt like a thousand. And every single one, he said the following. Do you know my friend, Rabbi Rick Jacobs? He didn't have to say my friend. He didn't have to say rabbi. He didn't have to sit me next to him. He taught, we can break down. We don't have to agree with everyone, but if we can actually uh, sit together. And by the way, that's one of the great Rabbi Asher Lopatin teachings that you know I think many of us have learned that lesson beautifully from Asher. Um, you may not know um, on the right, um, C.P. Hotobelli, who then was the Minister of Diaspora Affairs, who had said some really harsh things about reformed Jews. And um, I was in Israel right before the pandemic, and I said, could we, could we meet? I would love to have a conversation. Uh, and we did. It wasn't, you know, everything you know, rosy. We had a hard conversation, but we had a conversation. Um, on the left, you probably can see the 10th president of Israel, uh, President Ruby Rivlin, who just finished his term. What an amazing, amazing man. Started off really having a, a lot of hatred to the reform movement. And I, I just wrote him a, a public letter and um, began a friendship and what a beautiful teaching he taught all of, not just Am Yisrael, all the Jewish people, but all the citizens of Israel about how you show up and are present for one another. Really, really um, powerful. Don't have much time, but I, I really wanted to include this uh, little teaching from Eric Ward, who was one of our great teachers of, uh, of, of how to build a more tolerant and a more just society by addressing racism head on. And for him, anti-Semitism is fundamental uh, to that work. So um, I think the bottom piece is absolutely key. Anti-Semitism is more than a personal hatred of Jews. It's a worldview. Um, and it sees world events as driven by a hidden intentional conspiracy led by Jews. Uh, this is Torah we, we learned and have uh, taught. And yesterday we, we heard it over and over again, powerfully taught. Um, I'll just conclude with a couple of uh, images for us uh, working on reparations. Uh, right now, for the first time in years, decades, in the 80s, you have HR 40 brought, which is to study how could reparations be brought. And I know in the Jewish community, people say reparations, that's, that's so not something we can get behind. Well, let's just remember what happened with Nazi Germany. After the war, uh, they, they stepped up with very dramatic um, reparations for Israel and uh, for survivors. So what's our obligation today? Can that be one of our Jewish community's contributions to help? Not that it's for us to care, but can we be working on that? Is that core to what it means to be a, a warrior for justice? Um, I love this. This used to be our headquarters uh, on Fifth Avenue. Uh, sometimes you got to put your commitments in stone. You know, they can't be washed away. They can't be on a placard or on a uh, blackboard. And this is still, the building's still there. It's not where our offices are. And it's got the great quote from Micah. So if you ever walk to work and you worked in that building and you forgot what it is that we're doing, uh, Micah would just tell you, it, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly uh, with, with your God. So um, last slide before we just do a lot of conversation. This is from the Haftarah from Yom Kippur morning. Uh, that we, kashofar rem kolecha, I mean, raise your voice like a ram's horn. And I always love that the shofar sometimes can sound like a human cry. What, who are those voices today? Um, I, I know looking at the Zoom scheme, scheme, screen, some of you here today are those people who raise your voices like ram's horns. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg sure did it. Uh, this is at uh, commencement at Harvard Law School in 2011. And I would just hope that, um, during the nine days that uh, lead up to Tisha B'Av, these are, these are times for us to be you know, humble, reflective, but also finding our voices uh, and understanding deeply what caused not just uh, 
uh, one temple to be destroyed, but two, and so many of, of the other horrific events, how do we create that world of wholeness and of justice and compassion that our tradition obligates us, not our reform tradition, our tradition, all of ours. And what is it that we do that helps bring those days nearer to us? Um, that to me is what it means to be Jewish, what it means to be a serious committed Jew. Um, and I hope that it's no longer something that we debate in the Jewish community, like is social justice really a real thing for us? But how is it a real thing? Okay, how do we do it? That's, that's a real thing, let's, let's debate that. But let's not for one minute miss its centrality in uh, everything we do. So with that, I didn't see a lot of uh, comments in, but we can open up to a conversation questions. Beautiful. This has been so. This has been so powerful. Combining the traditional with the contemporary and the practical uh, with the ethereal. So thank you so much. What I'd love to do actually, because I'm sure we have a bunch of questions. If it's okay with you, Rabbi Jacobs, we'll hear from a number of folks with their questions, and you can just jot a few notes down, and then we'll hand the floor back to you if that works okay. Perfect, perfect. Great, okay, friends, so feel free to unmute yourself and ask a question, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put in a, a number of voices in the room. I have a question somewhat related. With Jews basically being considered persona non grata with most of the progressive social justice movements, um, how do we keep ourselves involved and how do we get them to accept us and, and um, not see us as white supremacists, but, but as fellow justice warriors, you're also part of minority. Great, thanks, Lauren. Someone else? Hi, Rabbi Jacobs. You were my childhood rabbi at Westchester Reform. It's wonderful to see you again. Um, after college, I launched, a, or during college, launched a nonprofit um, that did college access in low-income communities, and I launched it with a grant from your rabbi's discretionary fund. So thank you. Um, I'm now back at Westchester Reform, um, and my husband and I are actually working with um, Rabbi Blake to elevate, find ways to elevate Tukun Olam um, at the temple. Um, and the strategy that we've settled on is to, um, is to create a position, a director of social impact um, at Westchester Reform. And I wondered if you had um, ideas for references, resources, role models that our congregation, a congregation like ours, which of course you know well, um, could use to, um, to make this a success. Great, thank you so much. Okay, who else wants to jump in? Ravasher. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. First of all, wow, this is such an honor to be on with you, uh, Rabbi Jacobs, and thank you for your leadership. Uh, and I would love to hear, do you feel, and I pray for this, that, you know, Am Yisrael, the people of Israel are one and that we can really come together um, and uh, on a message of social justice and in general, or are you afraid that we're moving farther apart? I hope you have some good news, but I don't want to prejudice <laughs> it, but um, love to hear your perspective. Awesome. Thank you, Rabbi LaPatton. Who else wants to jump in with a question? Don't be shy. Oh, yes, I see whoever is prod one has their hand up. You want to unmute yourself? Maybe that's an accident then. Okay, someone else? Hi, um, Amalia Haas here. Rabbi, thank you so much. This has just been such a, a blessing and a privilege to be part of this. Um, I, I'm curious um, with the degree of leadership on your shoulders and what's faced Am Yisrael in the world this past year, um, if you could speak to what has been sustaining um, and strengthening for you um, as you um, lead and, and sustain others. 
Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Haas. Okay, someone else? Uh, that's already a lot, but let's see if there's another voice or two who want to jump in. Okay, there's also this question on the side I'm going to read for this person. I'm, I'm, forgive me, I don't know who it is, but um, you said there's still debate playing out on whether social justice is part of Judaism. Can you talk more about how you've seen that emerge and play out? Okay, great. And um, unless there's another question, I guess the last one I would throw in is how do we think about being both welcoming communities and also having boundaries, moral boundaries in welcoming communities? That is a, a challenge I think uh, quite a bit about on uh, everyone is invited, everyone is included, and yet not everyone should be perhaps, or not everything should be. So um, I know that's a little abstract and there's no answer to it, but it's something I'm grappling with. Okay, Rabbi Jacobs, back to you. So thank you so much. We've got 14 more minutes with you. Wow, what, what phenomenal questions and uh, really what a privilege to be in this conversation. So the, the first question was, um, you know, really posed as are, are we as social justice advocates, are we not welcomed in progressive circles? And I know that I hear that said often, I actually find um, myself and I think lots of my colleagues uh, welcomed in progressive spaces and not by abandoning our Jewish commitment. You know, uh, uh, I'll show up with uh, my kippah on and be in sometimes, uh, again, a, a gathering where it's a big tent and there are people who might not actually see us as welcome. But I have found that. Um, being in those spaces allows us sometimes to be able to uh, impact some of the policies, some of the voices, some of the stances being taken. But I do, I hear you um, very much that that is something we are uh, concerned about. But I, I think that the idea is that you stay, therefore stay away. I'm not talking about, you know, showing up in the most hostile uh, and physically menacing. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about being in coalitions with people who have different worldviews and maybe different views on core things, but show up and be that Jewish person of love and, uh, and uh, commitment. And I think also, I'll just, I don't mean this to be overly agitational, but I was with a Jewish leader who said, why can't the Jewish community only fight anti-Semitism without and, and, and? And then, and then said, the second point was, and we need to have more allies in our fight against anti-Semitism. So I just raised my hand, I said, those are two brilliant points. They actually argue with each other. And you know, we need to, in a full-throated way, be able to address anti-Semitism, full stop. And if we don't show up for the, you know, the racism that is literally killing our neighbors and the anti-Islamic, you know, the Islamophobia, then frankly, we don't have a chance here. So I, I think, Lorna, my, my point is, we have to show up in uncomfortable spaces. Um, we don't have to risk our lives every moment by doing so, but I think we have to show up. And I think it also helps to temper those spaces, not always, but my experience is it often does. So um, it's sometimes challenging, but it's very needed. Uh, Jeannie, what a, what a gift to, you know, um, show up at Valley Midrash and, and, and reconnect with you and what amazing leadership. What, what Westchester Temple has created, which is a position, a, a professional paid staff position about social impact is phenomenal. I, I mean, I'd love this to be a whole new cohort. We have synagogue professionals doing engagement, education, of course, of course, but working on how do you get more people to do the work and also to do it across partisan lines, right? So people don't feel like, whoa, 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 whoa. Social justice is always liberal. It's always progressive. Um, it, it's not. It, it, it's about where, where does it come from? So I think there, one offline, Jeannie, let's, let's reconnect because I would love to give you a more full, uh, and, and I know I'm already out there uh, sharing your job description with people I think who could be great for you because it would be fabulous. Um, Rabbi Haas, uh, oh, sorry, I asked, Chipped over my, my teacher, Rabbi Asher. Um, you you want to know if there's a nechemta here. We have so many divisions tearing Jewish people apart. We have so many real issues. You know, take ritual issues. Who is a Jew? You know, conversion, uh, Jewish status issues. We have political issues. 
Um, I actually think both things you said are true. We, we are coming apart and we can build more sense of interdependence, interconnection. And I think it's, it's also about showing up and learning. Um, my teacher was Rabbi David Hartman. Uh, he, he inspired me to be a rabbi. He's an Orthodox, he was an Orthodox philosopher, rabbi. I think the more we learn with one another, where, where do we find settings where we can actually uh, be in real relationship um, I remember my, um, my Hevruta at the Young Israel of Scarsdale, Rabbi Jake Rubenstein of Blessed Memory. Um, he called me up a month after I started at Westchester Reformed Temple. He said, would you speak on Shabbat morning at our Orthodox synagogue? And I thought to myself, ooh, I don't know this guy. And so I asked him, I said, you know, we're in uh, Vayikra. Am I the Korban? Am I going to be a sacrificial offering? He said, no, no, no. I have a really great idea for how we're going to do it. I said, do you mind if I ask how we're going to do it ahead of time? He said, oh, yeah, you know, here's my idea. You'll talk about what you love about Orthodox Judaism, and I'll talk about what I love about Reform Judaism. And I said, I, again, I, I feel badly I said what I, I'm about to share because I didn't know him. I said, well, will you have anything to share? He said, oh, yeah, and I'll go first. He spoke for a half an hour. His view of Reform Judaism was the most flattering thing I'd ever seen. I said, if we were only what you think we are, God bless you. And then I spoke about what I love about Orthodox Judaism. I lived in Orthodox Kibbutz, Rabbi. Like that was a, um, a, a un unbelievable, uh, powerful moment. Rabbi Asher, yesterday, um, young Israel of Scarsdale and Westchester Reform Temple shared a bus to the rally. Okay, so those bonds were broken. On issues, certain issues, boy, we'd have a hard time, but there's love, there's connection, and it's not for everything, but let's find the places where we actually do galvanize us in more um, compelling ways, because we have to be that way. Rabbi Haas, I love your question. It's, it's, so, it's so wise, because this to me is why justice has to be rooted in spiritual practice, because otherwise we are all be depleted in about an hour. Right. You, you go to a protest, you're, you're raising your voice in some really hard uh, communal debate, and it can absolutely just drain the, 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 the holiness out of your body. So what is it for me? You know, prayer, study, meditation, like and Shabbat. If I didn't have those things, I, I feel like I, I would have been, you know, empty long ago and communal experiences that fill us. That's why I say to people who only have social justice as their Jewish practice say, oh no, you need the other parts. So it fills you and renews you and sustains you. Otherwise, you know, I don't think any of us can do this work for very long in the right spirit, right? So I think th those are things that have nourished me and I know they, they nourish many people. Um, the last question is really part of that, you know, uh, the notion that there really is a debate going on. Believe me, there really is a debate going on. And I think the denigration of it is as follows. I think there are people who say, um, if that's all you do, it's not Jewish because other groups do social justice, right? So what makes that Jewish? But you know, um, to me, uh, it's, it's understandable. And I think part of what people are saying is they don't want um, religious leaders only speaking in political voices. Like, I always try to speak the Torah voice. Like that, that young woman who spoke at the Jewish agency board meeting, she wasn't speaking a political voice. She cited text and history and it lived inside of her in a very uh, spiritual way. So I think part of it, we need to model, how do you raise a, um, an authentically Jewish voice for social justice and how to anchor it in the texts and in the history and in the communal you know, norms and I think that is a way that we can do it with authenticity. And I think what people say to denigrate it is they say, oh, well, that's just, you know, kind of a superficial, um, it's like taking uh, the political platform of the party you like and putting a Jewish star on it. I think actually it's not that. And if it seems like that, then maybe we're not uh, doing it as authentically as we must. But um, can you imagine some of the, the giants of Jewish uh, history and scholarship, listening to that debate, I think they would cry. They would cry hearing us, even worrying that there's some authentic strand of it. So I do I want Jews to have social justice and prayer 
and study and act of kindness? Of course. But in my experience as a pulpit rabbi, most of us have our, um, our preferred ways we, we live. We have people who are just so, they're chesed people. They just, you know, when they go visit people who are ill, they just have the gift. We have other people who are spiritual giants, prayer and meditation. And That's just who they are. And we have, you know, Gidule Hador who just learn, learn, learn. And we have people who are social justice warriors. And hopefully most of us have some of all of it. Maybe the Dagesh is in another part of it, but that we, we cultivate all of it. And if somebody doesn't have social justice, I think it's incumbent upon us as Jewish um, people and as Jewish leaders to help grow that. That's a part of what it means to be a person of Jewish commitment. Um, but I think the part is, the last thing I'll say there is the partisanship of this moment has made it ugly to be a social justice warrior, right? It, it just, it, it leaves you with a very ugly, um, you know, set of scars because we don't engage in that work with the, the, the sensitivity and the depth of our tradition, which actually knows that there are different points of view legitimate. There's not a, you know, a pro-genocide view that we need to consider, but on complex moral issues, there are many dimensions. And I think we have to be able to model that we don't take the partisanship of the public discourse into our communal debates. And we can actually model uh, deep, respectful, uh, you know, uh, commitments that are anchored on, on real values and to use that language. That's the language that gives us uh, power. Um, Isaiah the prophet would be called a hopeless liberal today. I, I, I surely think so. And Jeremiah would be that crazy guy standing on the corner just screaming. But um, I, think, I think if uh, some of those Nivi'im, you know, would meet um, not just some of the warriors today, but to meet the, um, the Abraham Joshua Heschels of the world, the Avi Weisses of the world, right? I mean, Avi Weiss, also one of the great teachers on all of these aspects. And I know my predecessor, uh, Rabbi Maurice Eisenhower, who carried this large Sefer Torah when he marched. Can you imagine? I just thought to myself, like, first of all, carrying a Sefer Torah, it's hot, it's a long, and he took the biggest Sefer Torah you could find. He wanted the people to see that the Torah wasn't just to be read in shul, it's a beacon of light for the world. So he carried it out into the world. What can we do to integrate our Jewish lives in powerful ways? Um, I think, you know, looking around, Rabbi Shmuley, you've done that so magnificently, you know, in your, the, the, the commentary on Jonah, your commentary on Pirke Avot. I'm proud that the Central Conference of American Rabbis lovingly uh, publishes these works. These are tools to help people acquire um, many, many dimensions and muscles for this work. And I also think, Rabbi Shmuley, you do it without any, um, any guardrails of like, oh, this is, a, this is an orthodox, this is a reform. You, you, have hum you have God's family in front of you, and your family literally is God's family. Um, so I think we have to have more of our exemplars in our community where we can lift up these practitioners. And by the way, you don't have to be a rabbi to be a social justice warrior. Um, Jeannie, what you're describing, my experience is we, the people often who are doing the most work there are not rabbis, people who are called to this work uh, in powerful ways. I know I'm out of time. I just wanna conclude by saying thank you for the invitation into this conversation. Thank you for your really wise uh, and thoughtful gifts in, in this conversation. And let's continue. Uh, we, you know, if, if you're not deputized to be a, a leader in this work, uh, you now are. And uh, we need all of us. And to raise our voices doesn't have to be raising a hateful voice. Uh, we can hate injustice and not hate anyone uh, along the way, whether that be a basketball player in uh, Miami or other people who um, are not exemplifying their best selves. So uh, let's do the work. Let's get proximate with one another. Let's dig into this tradition. It, it uh, obligates and restores us, Rabbi Haas. And um, in these nine days, as we prepare for Tisha B'Av, let's, uh, let's anchor our world on these foundations of justice and goodness and chesed. Um, that will be a world that will be able to sustain the cross currents of this, uh, this very uh, painful and difficult moment that we live in. 
I mean, I mean, I mean, so inspiring, Rabbi Jacobs. You bring not only this force of goodness, but you really bring it. As I was chatting with a few folks just now, with uh, with respect and humility, and to bring, carry that menshalakite with such force, so powerful on a plane all over the world for Am Yisrael and for justice for all people. And it's it's such an inspiring model for all of us. So thank you for what you do, and thank you for being with us. Thank you, Temple Solo, for your partnership today and beyond, Rabbi Linder, Rabbi Steele, Peter Pichko. Uh, thank you. I see a few of our VBM board members here, Dr. Jackie Shenkai and Carol Zeitchik, uh, perhaps some others, and many rabbis here on the call. Thank you for being with us. Friends, next week we'll, we'll learn with Professor uh, David Kaufman on uh, Native American history relationship to Jews. In two weeks, as CCAR was mentioned, Rabbi Hera Person will be here um, to learn with us as well, and um, many other opportunities. So thank you all for continuing to learn with us and, um, and put the learning into practice. And in these nine days, as Rabbi Jacob said, let's continue to build bridges, break down hate with love, and continue to talk together. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank God you. Bless. God bless. Be well.